We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. What is this, you are asking? Well, this is the podcast known as What's the Good Word. It is the podcast by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. I'm Steven. I'm the alum. He is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, let's start with the greatest question to ask any Tech fan or alum. What's the good word? To hell with Georgia. I'll ask you the same question. What's the good word? To hell with Georgia. Beautiful. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, let's get into the news of the day. For those of you that are listening for the first time, just a quick refresher. First of all, welcome. Make sure you leave us a review. And by the way, Joshua, tell everybody how they can get in touch with the show because we're going to lead off with some viewer mail or email yes. or, some, or of you, some of our wonderful viewers out there. They actually did get in contact with us at our behest after the last episode. So if you want to be featured on the show as well, if you have an opinion, you really want other tech fans to know, or just have a comment, or you want to you know, comment on something we said, you can either DM me on Instagram at JoshuaJulian46, Julian is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N, or you can email me at JoshuaJulian26 at Outlook.com. Again, the number discrepancy made the accounts at different times. I changed my baseball number pretty much every season. So... Out of my hand at this point. But Joshua Julian 26 at Outlook.com. We want to hear your feedback and your opinions. Before we get to that feedback, as I was saying, for those of you, this if this is your first time, welcome to the podcast. Please feel free to leave us a review and contact us. What we do is we give you Georgia Tech athletic news up front, a little bit of commentary, but mostly just trying to keep you updated with the sources we track for you to tell you what's happening with all things Georgia Tech sports. Then the second half of the show, and the reason we do it half and half is, hey, we're tech fans, we're tech alum, we got stuff to do. We got to run the world. We're out there making millions of dollars because Georgia Tech alum are some of the highest, you know, we we get things done. That's what we do as tech people. So you might not want to hear the second half because you don't have time, but if you do... We like to dig into a little bit deeper topic, and today we are, and it's kind of in response to an article. There was an article about the Georgia Tech basketball team. So we're going to do another little closer to the season preview as we're recording this. We're about two weeks away from the opening exhibition game. So they've been practicing, and there was a prediction. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get to that in depth, let's talk about the news. Joshua, we wanted to start by giving credit to our dozens and dozens of fans Yeah, who wrote in. And uh, we want it because in the last show on the chunk, we talked about our favorite tech athletes of all time. Joshua, I believe you got you wanted to focus on at least one response we got, and I've got one as well. I did. So I was emailed at that email address, Joshua Julian 26 at Outlook.com. I was emailed this morning from Lewis Grace, who talked about how his tech fandom began in the mid-80s, similar to you, Stephen. Um, but while listening, he thought it was interesting to not hear some of his favorite tech players. 
And so he gave a very comprehensive list. And I wanted to name the people that um, my man Lewis out here gave us. So starting with football, he gave a William Bell, the running back from 1990, um, to Shard Choice, for a former running back as well as running back coach for Georgia Tech, uh, Des White. Um, this is exactly how he put it in the email. Calvin freaking Johnson, which I want to give an aside real fast. I did mention Calvin right at the end. We had some te technical difficulties. We had to cut out about two minutes right at the end of that little chunk. We mentioned uh, Calvin. I mentioned Calvin Johnson as saying, obviously, everybody knows about him. I didn't get a chance to watch him, so I couldn't name him. Um, Kelly Rhino um, and his words. Uh, and my favorites were being a small white guy punt returner who absolutely gave the middle finger to the concept of the fair catch and for having the best name for a punt returner. So before before there were the Stewart the Stewart boys, there was Kelly Rhino. Beautiful. Uh, Michael Johnson was another one, which I remember him. I think I was starting to watch right when he came out and got into the draft. Uh, Josh Nesbitt, I think we mentioned him briefly. And then Roddy Jones was the last football player. And in basketball, uh, you mentioned such great names as Matt Harpering, uh, James Forrest, uh, Dennis Scott, B.J. Elder, and then Malcolm Mackey, who specifically was because uh, his high school played Matt Mackey's while he was there in high school, and they completely destroyed his school, apparently. Uh, Mackey was dunking all over him. So uh, some great names, absolutely. I was surprised to not hear you mention Matt Harpering. I know in off-camera discussions you – so had a few. So we were going to finish this little news story by saying, who did we miss? Matt Harpering was the number one guy that I missed and forgot to say. Love his story. He came in and was recruited almost as a favor by Coach Kremens, uh, and to and he started on the end of the bench, but he just would do whatever he needed to do to help the team win. Very Jose Alvarado ish. Uh, and by the time he was a senior, the ball ran through him. And he ended up going to the NBA uh, and having a nice little career in the NBA. Um, I got we got uh, I got a text actually from someone who listens to the show, uh, and some of our viewers might uh, recognize some of these names. Uh, he said from uh, from football, Eddie Lee Ivory, uh, Pat Swilling, Keith Brooking. Of course, he mentioned Megatron. Harrison Butker said that he actually sat next to him at a basketball game, chatted with him right after the Orange Bowl win. Which we that's where we met Harrison Butker's mother. Yeah, uh, at, all over at the, the Orange Bowl. Uh, then he said way too many basketball to mention because he's been a huge basketball fan for a long time. But he mentioned Mark Price, Kenny Anderson, John Sally, Jarrett Jack, Matt Harpering, Moses Wright, Jose Alvarado, uh, and Ben Lammers. And in baseball, he actually mentioned uh, Jason Veritek, who. I was at Tech when they went to the College World Series with Veritech, Garcia Parra, and, um, oh, shoot, um, uh, Peyton, uh, the center fielder uh, who played in the with the Mets, Jay Peyton. Uh, hey. Great team. Uh, that They changed the World Series rules because Tech lost uh, in that final game. If it had been a best of three, I think they would have won. But anyway, uh, and he also mentioned Kyle Baker, uh, who was actually with this listener in Omaha growing up uh, as part of a church youth group. So kudos to them. Joshua, you you talked about uh, Calvin being cut off. You had a couple names you wanted to add, and I'm going to add a couple more names. I only had one big one because, as I said, my, my tech fandom is, is more limited. I haven't had as much time to develop more emotional connections. But the one that we I, – I, again, I mentioned him in that little two minutes that got cut off due to some technical difficulties – but we'd be remiss if we did not mention 
Demarius Thomas. Um, first of all, fantastic human being. Um, also a fantastic football player. Uh, probably one of the it was the one time that I was confused by a draft pick because I didn't I didn't follow the draft process up to that point, and I was like, how is it? that Georgia Tech is a run first, run second, run third offense, and our first-round pick is a wide receiver. I don't know how that works, but, I mean, it turned out to work out very well. He was a very good receiver in the NFL for a very very long time and, unfortunately, tragically was gone too soon from this world. So um, prayers up for Bebe and his family. Uh, RIP to the best receiver to come out of the triple option attack. Um, him and Darren Waller would be a great combo on a Paul Johnson all-time team. All right, so my list Ooh. that at which That's another I one. I'm ca- sorry, I forgot about that one. Darren Waller. Um, I enjoyed him because he knew one route at Georgia Tech, and it always worked. Just run, run, <laughs> run straight, and then out jump everybody because he's six yeah. six. Go that way really fast. We'll yeah, throw it up high. You go catch it. Um, all right. So my list, which was long because I've been a tech fan uh, for a long time, and Matt Harpreen was the one I can't believe I forgot to mention. But Malcolm Mackey, I actually was in class with Malcolm Mackey. Great guy. Super nice guy. And it, just a real, a, a very tough guy who had a lot of finesse. That's very rare to have that combination. Um and also, uh, I got to give a shout out to both uh, Travis Best and Jarrett Jack, who were Jose Alvarado before Jose Alvarado came along. Um, just could go get a bucket whenever they needed to. Uh, and just really smooth players. And then actually, my very first memory, because you talked about your first memory, but my very first memory was Georgia Tech going to the Liberty Bowl under under Bill Curry and John Dewberry and Robert Lavette were kind of the two. Dewberry was a quarterback. Lavette was a running back. Uh, those two, I, I, I have very faded memories because I'm very old, but uh, that's when I first became a Tech fan was watching that Tech team. I think they went to the Liberty Bowl. I could be wrong. Please correct me if you'd like. But all right, we could talk that all day long. Please keep that sending us your episode. Keep sending us your list. Go listen to the last episode. Uh, send us your list, and we'll we'll keep shouting out. But let's get some news done real quick uh, before we uh, – yeah, let's move on. Move let's on. Move, move on. on. All right. So I'm um, not going to spend too much time on this because it is relatively old in the news cycle. But Thursday night, Georgia Tech played uh, quite the atrocious game against the University of Virginia. Dropped the game 16-9. to um, Jeff Sims was hurt. Uh, in the game, had to leave in about the second quarter. Zach Gibson coming on in replacement. I'd like to take away everything that I said about giving him a chance because he got a chance, and he went 10 for 25 for 99 yards. Uh, Did not have a great game. Ran out of balance on the last play uh, when Tech had at least a a prayer. Uh, Before you give any more insight, let's both officially agree our our main analysis of the game is this. Yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. the best way to put it. Um, I did find out. Um, I'm I don't want to say I'm connected to him, but I have a a a pipeline to information from Jackets beat writer Bryce Coon, uh, in a Discord group chat, and he said um, reports are coming are that Jeff Sims broke a bone in his foot. Uh, and this has been this has been like a couple weeks ago. Uh, so this was just a reaggravation. That's kind of why he's been in and out. Um, and his. His next point was also that 
he is he can't hurt it anymore. Like there's there's no other way to hurt it worse. It's as injured as it's going to get. So it's really just about pain management. So he's not out. He's more of a game time questionable decision, uh, be it if they want to go cortisone shot, if they actually can do that in a foot, or um, if he's just able to manage the pain. Uh, they're going to take it day by day. So he is still available. Uh, comes down to how he's doing. But other than that, the Tech defense probably played great, obviously only giving up 16 points. Um, and scoring forced, six themselves. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, they forced uh, – they had two interceptions, uh, and they were able to also recover a fumble. So they had – or no, actually two fumbles. So they had four turnovers. They forced four turnovers in this game, and yet Georgia Tech's offense just could not get anything. And I mean right. anything going. So, so we're gonna try and we're gonna try and paint a little bit of a silver lining on the cloud and and talk about a couple things. We said during the first two wins, hey, you're responding to a different voice. It's new. It's exciting. How long will this last? Okay, two weeks was about how long it lasted. I felt like their I felt like their luck ran out a little bit. Um, I felt like in the wins, some things kind of went their way, and in this one. Things really didn't go their way, and they played so poorly on offense. The defense is apparently leading the ACC in more than a few categories. So it is insane. Yeah, it's no question the defense is the strength. Um, And as much as you want to, you know, kind of, I'm going to give my two silver linings real quick. First of all, yeah, Gibson did not show out at all, but... The offensive line showed just how bad, how much more work they still have to do. And I'm going to give Zach Gibson one one kudo because go read his comments after the game. He basically was like, I got to do better. That was terrible. I mean, here's a guy in his first game. and He goes, it was there. Uh, no one, you know, I got to do better. I got to get rid of the ball quicker. I, I mean, he took, here's this year's first time and he, Faced the music, he faced the press, he said what he needed to say, and he said, you know, I'm hoping to get better from here. And then the other thing is I I, I liked Brent Key's demeanor saying, hey, we, we game plan for Jeff being back there. Zach, you know, you take that dimension away, yeah. that hurts us, but still we got to adjust. But you got to imagine they're, they haven't had a full pre, you know, it, it there's some... That there's was tough an adjustment there when you go from a dual threat quarterback to a to a pocket passer, especially when it comes to game planning. Right. Um, you don't want to see the adjustment, but again, you kind of the, the biggest takeaway for me is that this defense is for real, and if the offense can just find a way to get twenty right. every game, the Score defense enough. is going to give you a chance to win that. Right. Uh, but Texas next game is going to be this coming Saturday, the 29th, uh, twelve o'clock at FSU. Um, FSU currently four and three on the year. Georgia Tech twenty three point underdogs as of now, according to DraftKings Sportsbooks. Um, don't know if they're assuming that Jeff Sims is not going to play or not, but FSU not not exactly the greatest team, but also not the worst. So it'll be interesting to see how Tech responds. And it's and it's on the road, team. yeah. And hmm. well, we'll see, right? I mean, this is going to we'll be see. week by week and and live it. All right. So moving on. Uh, I have become the uh, head cheerleader for the, at least on this podcast, for the Georgia Tech women's volleyball team. They remained at number 10. Uh, They had two matches over this past week, uh, both at home. Friday, they defeated Boston College with a three games to none uh, straight set win. Or three, yeah. 
And then Sunday, they faced Syracuse also at home and won three straight sets. So they now stand on the season at, let me check, hang on, 15-4 and four now, 8-2 and two in the conference, 10-2 and two at home, 4-2 and two on the road. They do play this week, uh, I believe, on the road, uh, two matches again on the weekend. Let me make sure who we're playing. Hang on. Do, do, do. Should have the stuff pulled up already. I know. They play Friday in North Carolina, and they play Sunday at NC State. So two two games, two matches in the Tar Heel State. Go Lady Jackets. Keep winning in the conference. Keep climbing that uh, ranking and see where you're at at the end of the season. Rooting you on. I'm, st- I'm sticking to football with mine. Um, I warned you last week that this decision day was coming on Friday, and it came from and how glorious it was. We like to think that we had something to do with it. Probably not, but as far as my kids are going to be concerned, I was the direct reason that this guy came to Georgia. Absolutely. Mentioning his name. Uh, In-state offensive lineman Gabriel Fortson committed to Georgia Tech. He is now the second highest ranked recruit in the 2023 draft class uh, at a North Cobb Christian High School. Chose Georgia Tech over offers from Mississippi State, UCF and North Carolina. So he was very highly sought after by some high level power five schools. Um, and one of the, he did an interview with 24 seven sports and specifically my um, man, Bryce Kuhn, as I pointed out. Um, so he was talking about kind of why he came and the biggest, the guy he mentioned was coach Brent key. He said, he talked about him and he talked about playing that offensive line, interior offensive line position, um, and that was the big reason that he kind of committed. So I'm not using this as a platform to say that Key should stay on in any kind of capacity, be it head coach or position coach, but I'm also not not using this as my claim that he should stay on as any kind of coach. Well, I am going to say that uh, Gabriel Fortson, welcome to the tech community. I would like to think that you and I kind of encouraging him to seal the deal and and come where he needed to play played a little bit of a part. The other thing I'm going to give him kudos for is, and you told me that socially, I, I believe now that with the rise of social media and and some of these sport, uh, AD departments, the whole picking of the hat has gone by the wayside. So I'm glad that he simply went to Twitter, put out his hype video of him and his Georgia Tech digs and made the announcement. So well done, Mr. Fortson, and welcome to the Flats. Moving on to golf, I want to say that the Georgia Tech golf uh, men's golf team was part of the Golf Club of Georgia Collegiate Invitational. First of all, Georgia Tech's golf team finished second as a team. Little bit of bad news. They had the lead heading into Sunday and couldn't quite seal the deal. So they finished second to Stanford uh, at the uh, Georgia Collegiate Invitational. But Freshman Hiroshi Tai shot a three under par 69 on Sunday and held on to capture medalist honors at the Invitational. So he had the low score for the Invitational uh, and the tech team, like I said, finished second and they lost to Stanford, who is the nation's number five ranked golf team. So, so they're pretty you know, good. No, yeah, it's not like we lost to some, you know, slackers. And by the way, uh, there were, I mean, some of the other, Tennessee was there, Virginia was there, Washington uh, was there, Pepperdine. Uh, so, so you know, pretty stacked field. 
I believe this is, I believe the men's golf team is not going to compete again in a tournament until February, but I may be wrong on that. If I am, please at me and tell me I'm wrong. Well, you have a, you have a little baseball news. I, I do. I do. My passion sport, my first love, uh, Georgia tech had a scrimmage against Jacksonville state on Sunday. They played two they played a seven, they played two, a seven-inning doubleheader, um, so two games, both seven innings. Uh, sorry, the, the way it was worded on the article is weird because apparently they're doing another one next weekend. Either way, fall portion of baseball practice kicked off. Um, so Georgia Tech tied in the first one 5-5 five to five due to four unearned runs. And then in the second one, uh, the score is not given in the article, which, by the way, uh, 24-7 sports, the first thing I learned in sports writing class is you have to, at some point, mention the score, especially within the first paragraph or two. So I think it's a very large oversight that you don't mention the score of the second game. But based on the information given, it looked like Tech won five to two. They had a shutout going through six. They allowed two people to cross the uh, cross plate the seventh off left-handed pitcher Cameron Hill. But um, the biggest thing to see is that, um, obviously, first of all, I had read this. Tech had, according to Perfect Game Baseball, the number three uh, recruiting class in the nation for baseball. I can't really give you names or rankings because you have to pay for that kind of stuff at Perfect Game. And um, considering I think Perfect Game is a pyramid scheme, I really do not support that. Uh, but the big one was uh, freshman Karsten Sabathia. Yes, that's Sabathia, the son of CeCe. Um, he did hit um, He did hit a home run in that doubleheader. He actually hit the only home run of anybody in both games. Um, he also had two hits in the second game. Um, and the big one was John A. Logan Jr. College transfer. Terry Bussey pitched in game two. He had five strikeouts through two innings. So um, some good performances from a few of the people. I'm not going to get too deep into it because there's a ton of people and they go on to list kind of the idea behind who could be starting. But um, Tech definitely doesn't look bad this year, considering coming off a World Series appearance. Well, and let me just shout out to uh, the Tech baseball team. Well done against Jacksonville State. And let me let you listeners in on a quick little show meeting, because Joshua, if you'd gone to ramblinrec.com and gone under the baseball header, they would have told you that you were correct. The score was five to two uh, in the second game. Context so, clues. Yeah. So, yeah, well, right. Context clues. Well done. You did your media job, but also double check at Rambling. That's why you go to two sources. Anyway. All right. So we've we've covered the news portion. If that's all you're going to listen to, thanks for listening. We hope you stick around because we decided to do the second part of the show and do a, a little revisitation now that it's a little closer to the season starting of the Georgia Tech basketball team, because a few days ago, there was an article that came out uh, that's been picked up by multiple sources. Uh, I've got it here on uh, SI.com. Georgia Tech men's basketball, Yellow Jackets picked last in preseason poll. So this was a preseason poll of, uh, I believe, ACC, it was among ACC writers. I don't know if it was coaches or other stuff, but it's the preseason poll for the ACC, and Georgia Tech is picked to finish 15th out of 15. And we are going to talk about that a little bit as fans and alum. Uh, Joshua, I will cede the floor to you and I'm trying to figure out a way, by the way, Joshua started the show by saying, 
behest. I'm going to try and figure out a way to work that in, although I just did, but that's a little meta. So, Joshua, I cede the floor uh, at your behest to react to that article, and what are you looking for in the basketball team? Uh, well, my reaction is I get it. Um, I, I understand, you know, as as tech fans, as tech alum, first of all, we tend to have a uh, way of looking at things through kind of rose tinted glasses, um, partially because we watch the team more than most of these ACC writers do, but also because we really want to believe that this team, we have something to root for in the upcoming season. You know, I, I get that and I'm guilty of it, too. Um, so I understand them picking us to finish 15th out of 15th. I understand that um, because in the end, we look back at our conversations on it. Um, a lot of our hope comes from a lot of if statements, right? Like if Davon Smith is able to take a leap and become more of an effective defender and, you know, if he's able, if he's able to put all those athletic tools together, if Debo Coleman is able to take a step as a shot creator, if Rodney Howard is able to take a step and become more of a difference maker in the paint, right? If Javon Franklin is able to be the kind of Swiss army knife he was at South Alabama, if Lance Terry is able to continue to score at a high clip at a high at in the ACC, and if these freshmen and some of these young guys are able to take that step forward, so um, I get why they would want to put us at last because you know it's there's a lot of uncertainty. It's hard to go to look at a team that finished like 12 and 19 last year and they're losing like 57 percent of their points, right? And go that team's going to be better. They're going to improve. I think they're middle of the road. So I get that, but on the same token, I will I will caution too many tech fans from overreacting because remember, these same beat writers in, at the college level they pick TCU to finish seventh in the Big Twelve, and they're currently ranked number eight nationally, probably even higher now after that re most recent win. So you know, there's writers don't know, right? They're 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 looking at this thing on paper, and in the end, basketball is not played on paper. Basketball is played on the court. So and on paper, I get the argument, but again, it comes down to will a more egalitarian offense work better, especially with the way that Passner runs the offense. Uh, maybe he'll change the offense for the first time in his entire tenure and Rodney Howard won't be doing 15 dribble handoffs every, every half. Please yeah, Lord. Please up. Lord. It was great with Ben Lammers. You could do it with Moses. Rodney has no business doing that. Um, and so my reaction is I get it, but also like, let's just wait and see. I want to, um, I, the, the team is intriguing. That's for sure. Like there's, right. I don't, the only thing that's for sure about this team is that nothing's for sure. Right. So, uh, I would, and I think I said this on the last episode, if I didn't, I'm definitely saying it this episode, we want to be the place where you come to get all your Georgia Tech athletic news, or at least hear conversation about it. I would strongly encourage people. There was ACC media days for the basketball and uh, Sturdivant, Howard, and and Josh were at ACC Media Days giving some some uh, some commentary. And Josh's interview, Passner's interview, go listen to it because the biggest thing he said, and you just kind of nailed it. He said the team is going to be the star of the team. This is a team for the first time in Josh Passner's Georgia Tech career. He has a team because if you followed. This, if you followed Passner's career, he's consistently played six, maybe seven, and occasionally, occasionally Last eight. Year was the first time he played eight consistently. Correct. And now I think there's a very real possibility you're going to have 10 
consistently playing and maybe even 11 or 12 at times. This roster is deep of players who will play. And and that's why, hand to the Lord, I understand why he ran the Princeton offense. You run the Princeton offense when your offense is limited. But he if he's got a team, there's a chance to run more of a team offense, not, not just the Princeton offense. So I, I hope... But you know he's the coach. I'm not, so I so I'll back off of that. Um, by the way, kudos for egalitarian. So this is an egalitarian offense, right? Can I use it that way? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I love the point you make about uh, you get it because if there are many people listening who were tech fans in the '90s and in the '80s, from from '84 to '90. Really up through Paul's final four run, but Kremen's years from '84 to the to the mid '90s, that was a ten year span where we were always always in the national conversation. We were always, and, and when you're in the national conversation, there are lots of people looking in depth at your team. When you're not, you become footnotes. You yeah. become fact points. And 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 anybody who's been following, especially during Passner's years, but even back through Gregory, with Georgia Tech being basically irrelevant for, save two two times, Passner's first year when they really impressed people with how you know they were picked to be last, and and he makes the NIT, and then the 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 ACC tournament championship team of the COVID shortened season, those two seasons of success. Um, we surprised people. So, and the reason we've surprised is because Georgia Tech, for the most part, has not been nationally relevant. Where the ACC is relevant, but we've always been in the bottom half. Now, so I get your point that you that you get their point. What I will say is, when you're just a fact point, yes, on paper, fifty-seven percent, whatever the percentage. Scoring, yeah, man, that's going to be tough to replace. But if you've watched Passner coach and you've watched this team develop, Passner said in his interview, hey, look, last year we were hoping Jose and Moses would come back. And if they did, we thought we had potential of a Final Four team. And you'd have to argue that, yeah, that would be great. So he had set the team up for them to come back. When they didn't, he was he 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 had two slots that he didn't fill, didn't have really time to fill. And so last year became the rebuilding year. I think this year was already going to be a rebuilding year by bringing in a couple freshmen, but he does have a couple sophomores that if they take Debo and Miles Kelly, if they take steps, that could be interesting. If Davon really controls himself in the system, that could be interesting. Like you said, it's a lot of ifs. Um, I think this team will go as far as they improve. Almost every year, Passner's teams improve. So yeah. we will see how they improve. All right, I've been on a soapbox. I apologize. I'm ranting and raving. I'm not being egalitarian. So let me just ask you, if you were to make a prediction before you've even seen them, but you have watched Passner and you've watched his team, what do you think would be a successful season? Put it in terms of 1 to 15 ranking in the ACC. What would you say would be, hey, I think they've done well if they make it to this? 
Well, again, I mean, considering the fact that they're losing, you know, two top top notch players, two guys that are now playing professionally, not to mention, um, you know, depth pieces in Khalid Moore and Bubba Parham, um, losing that much veteran leadership, that much production. I think finishing middle of the road in the ACC would be considered a success because, again, you're not expected to really do anything. You know, you um, you have a bunch of guys coming back from last year, but those guys weren't exactly the, they weren't the focal point. Right. They weren't the best players. So um, that record wise, that would be, I would say, if you finish around middle of the pack, if you're in the conversation for an NIT berth, I think that that's a very successful season based on what is kind of expected and what you would logically expect looking at kind of, you know, talent in versus talent out. Um, But the biggest thing is really to me going to be individual, um, individual progress. I think that is what's going to make or break this season and potentially make or break kind of how we view Josh Passman. Personally, I love the man as, as a human and the way that he's kind of built the program and at least given you a reason to watch uh, every year but I think this is kind of his, this is another chance for him to show and kind of reinstitute the idea that you know we don't have to get you know top fifteen guys every year. He can develop players. And I think that's going to be really important. So if you see those jumps that we're talking about that could happen from Debo to Miles to Jalen to Davon to potentially even Sturdivant or like Lance Terry, um, just seeing development in people from year to year to year. You know we saw that with Moses Wright. We saw that with uh, Jose Alvarado. Um, it's time to see that again with, you know, another another batch of kids. And to me, that would be make it a success. If, if we see these guys kind of take a jump personally in their own ability as in, in their own ability to play the game of basketball, I think that would be considered a success because that would show Passner doesn't need to be the top recruiter or we don't have to get the absolute top tier guys. We can get Passner's guys and Passner knows what he's looking for. And Passner knows how to develop him into what he wants him to be. So to me, that would just be one more reinforcement into why Passner should have so much job security. Because personally, I think he should. I see comments every now and then on why he should. But I think this is just another chance for him to kind of reestablish exactly why Right. He deserves that kind of, you know, to be held in that regard. So I'll, a couple things. Um, Josh Passner needs to remain the head coach at Georgia Tech. I that is I'm I am unabashedly the biggest Passner fan, not only because he is a wonderful human being. He is a great coach. He has put two players into the NBA in his first five seasons. OK, when. Those players were not expected to go to the NBA. They weren't recruited as top NBA players. He has turned two other players into professional basketball players who were not considered to be prof- in Ben Lammers and Moses Wright. Okay, now you can give that to Pastor. You can also give that to Who's the other uh, guy in the NBA. Oh, Okoki, that's right. Well, you're right. So, so he has. And then there's also Usher because Usher's playing professionally over in Europe now. Okay, so three. Yeah, exactly. So he has created. He has created players who can play professionally. He has absolute and and to an extent, he has he he said we want to get old and stay old. He now has this mixture of freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors who are going to contribute. Now the freshmen might not contribute much this year, but but I see them as potential. I, you know, Markinov is big enough 
if he's tough, he might get a couple of spell minutes just to be a big body, but we'll see. So, um, so I, he is, he is developing that team concept and it is so clear his, his, the way Georgia tech will be successful is team defense and having enough offense, almost like the football team right now. So, yeah. and I think, and call me crazy and I, I might turn out to be completely wrong, but arguably this could, this, this is arguably going to be one of the best team offenses they've had, which was his first year. If you look at that first year, there was Okogie, but it wasn't like Okogie went out and poured in 30 all the time. They really played a team offense. Now they were horrible offensively. They always ran the clock down to 10 seconds and it was like, just get a shot, but they would win 60 to 55. I would argue they are going to be a better shooting team. Oh yeah. And I think if they can play a team concept of offense and really grind the defense, they have a chance to be a Virginia-like success. That's going to be their success if they can build a team like Virginia. And, you know, he lost Reveno to uh who went back to Washington and wish him the best. Does the does his assistants have been fantastic? Do they continue to do that? Um, I I I honestly would say, because a lot of people, oh, get rid of him, get rid of him. The ACC is 15 teams. That is tough. The goal is you want to be in the top five or six so that you can make the tournament. I, I actually think that middle of the road is is kind of what I'm expecting them to be over 10th. I, I'd like to see them be, you know, top six or seven would be just beyond my wildest expectations. But I you know, and make the tournament. That would be the expectations. If you're the ACC is going to be stronger this year. That's the other thing. Um, the, the ACC is kind of reloaded, so they're going to be pretty tough. But beat beat some of the teams you're supposed to beat, and then be a tough out. A couple years ago, you know, three, four, two, and three years ago, they were a tough team to play. Yeah. So if they can do that again, I think we could be in in good shape. The, the biggest thing I've said, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm, I'm going to keep saying it until we we see this team actually play and we get a better view of it i'm wondering and i'm very curious if losing devoe might actually be a slight positive i believe it will because as talented as he was as an individual i don't think devoe ever fully grasped the team idea right under passenger like he was always he was never a team defender he didn't really defend anybody in all fairness and once he got the ball, once Jose left, he was all he, he was never really looking to set anybody else up. It was always right. his shot, his shot, his shot. And he could stroke it from deep. But the reason he was so effective before last season was because Jose was handling the ball. He right. was a play finisher. He's not a playmaker. He's a play finisher. And I think kind of Sturdivant having the ball more might actually be better for this offense because Sturdivant to me is very Josh Heath. Asking that he's he's a very heady veteran point guard. He's not gonna blow you away with anything. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna take over games. But he's never he's very rarely gonna make the wrong play. So I'm wondering if not having that black hole on offense and that black hole on defense, I'm wondering how much of an effect that's gonna have for both teams because it's gonna be less dribbles into traffic where he right. gets triple teamed and just loses it because of his loose handle. There's gonna be less, you know three of 15 showings against ACC teams, and there's going to be less blow-bys on the perimeter. Yeah, I, I, 
and I'm I'm not gonna I don't I'm not trying to throw DeVoe under the bus. I, well, I know, love I'm, the I'm, guy. He gave he us was a four years. It's just right. individually. I don't, I, I don't think he ever really helped the team. Well, I think that's why Passner's saying the team is going to be the star because he w- he's gone from the last two years of having and really his f- first five years he built around the stars because he was built around five you know six yes, players, three of whom were his best players, and everything ran through them. There is no, well, that's the clear favorite. He's got a team of decent players. And if they play team defense the way Passner can coach it, and if Rodney can be a little bit of an eraser, and if not, then, you know, create the team defense to create more havoc, then this is going to be a, this is going to be a very interesting season. I, you know, this is we'll, we'll, I want to watch them play the first few games. I think Georgia State is actually going to be a very telling game yeah. because they've had two straight years of overtimes, and Georgia State's no slouch anymore. So, and yeah. uh, that's going to be a, doesn't think it's them. That's a good. That's a good good sign. That's going to be a good test, and we're going to see. I believe you said there's some secret tape of us scrimmaging Vanderbilt. Yes, we did scrimmage Vanderbilt in a secret game. Um, that is now known to the public because Kelly Quinlan tweeted it out. But Tech did win 80 to 76. I have no other information other than that. Even Kelly uh, was on Twitter going, I only know the final score. I don't know who scored what, what they shot, you know, how many people played, how many minutes they played, if they, yeah. it was even a regulation 40 minute game. Right. Because I've never seen Georgia Tech score 80 points in a 40 minute yeah, game. Yeah, it might have been, it might have been three different halves of, of, uh, or three, uh, of uh, six different 10 minute periods with, with three different squads. So we'll There's see a very good chance. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. So I believe uh, now that we've mentioned a super secret scrimmage, it's probably time to end the show. Don't you think? Yeah. Before they bomb us <laughs> for leaking government secrets. Uh, yes. For leaking out uh, institutional secrets. So uh, at the behest of. Uh, ah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. At the behest of our fans, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, we want to thank you for listening, Joshua. For people who want to get in touch with us, how should they do that? Um, either DM me on Instagram, Joshua Julian forty six, or hit me on email, Joshua Julian twenty six at outlook dot com. Um, my phone is always on. Uh, we very much want to hear from you because you guys are the reason we do this. Continue to tell us about your favorite tech players of all time. Uh, continue to tell us what you'd like to see us do on the show. Uh, continue to be listeners, and we just have one simple request we're we're i don't think we're ever going to do sponsors you're never going to have to listen to commercials because i think what we want to do is you everybody listening you have a friend or a family member or maybe even someone you don't like very much but you know that they're a tech fan or they're a tech alum let them know about the show because we would like to be the go-to resource for getting most if not all of your georgia tech athletics news and we want to thank the ajc ken segura kelly quinlan other people who do a lot of great material and Please read them, but we'll be talking about them here on this podcast. So I guess the way to end is Joshua, and I, and you don't need to ask me back. You speak for all of us when I say answer this question to close us out and remind us, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia. <laughs>